All right, kicking off hour two of the program. We're coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, cracked foundation, Boeing foundation walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems or all things basement or visit them at dlbasementsystems.com. Hour one in the books. Lots of hockey talking hour one. We'll keep it going here to start off the segment as well. But uh, if you want instant reaction to last night's split squad action, hear from head coach Ryan Huska and his post-game media address. Or check in on our chat with Jason Bukla from Sportsnet.ca, former NHL scout, joined us to look ahead at the season that could be for Logan Cooley in Arizona and his thoughts on Dustin Wolf and the goaltending situation here in Calgary. All of that will be up in the Hour 1 podcast. Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher. Just look up Sportsnet Today 960. The pods go up moments after every hour finishes here on Sportsnet 960. So to come this hour, we'll get a stamps report with Patrick Dumas checking in on the Calgary Stampeders ahead of their matchup against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Jays and Yankees kicking off a big series for Toronto tonight, which means Taylor has to give us her Kevin Biggio predictions. And we'll also check in with the head coach and general manager of the Calgary Canucks. Hitman legend Brad Moran going to join us. Head of the AJHL Showcase, which is in our city starting tomorrow. So stay tuned for all of that. But uh, we're kicking off the hour, going back to a conversation we just finished up last hour on the Dustin Wolf situation here in Calgary. Because we got some interesting texts at 960-960, the fan feedback line, which is always open to you here at Sportsnet 960 and on Sportsnet Today. So feel free to send us a text. We finished off last segment talking to Jason Bukla, former NHL scout. He wrote about Dustin Wolf and the, the Calgary goaltending situation up at Sportsnet.ca uh, and his future considerations column. And I kind of finished the hour off saying, look, I, I'm i kind of with Jason. I don't know what else Dustin Wolf has to prove at the American Hockey League level. I, I don't know what the solution is for Calgary. Dan Vladar, by all accounts, played very well last night, was the backbone of the Calgary shootout win in Seattle. And I think rightfully so, had earned his contract extension here in Calgary. He's been a great member of the Flames since he got here. Did he have a down year with the rest of the team? Sure. But I still think it's a good asset for the Calgary Flames. And uh, a couple people have texted in, and uh, one said, you know, hey, are you kidding, Logan? The way that Dustin played last night is a definite sign that he perhaps needs more development. Why rush him? And look, I don't think one preseason game, to me, was a definitive answer on, on Dustin Wolf and needing more time in the AHL because I just don't know what the AHL provides for him anymore as far as a challenge goes. And from a mental standpoint, if you had won back-to-back AHL Goalie of the Year awards and you won MVP last year, I think it's fair to look ahead and say, look, I'm I'm ready for a new challenge. And look, I, again, I just I, I can't pin it on one night. I just don't know what the AHL has for him anymore to prove. And yes, it, it might just be a fact that he's the only one that's, you know, waiver free to head down to the American Hockey League. And that might be how the situation works out. But I I think Dustin Wolf needs to see 
significant time at the NHL this level to continue the development path that he's been on the last couple of years. Uh, Mike D in Calgary texts in, says Calgary and Dustin are one NHL goalie injury away from possibly playing most of the season with the Flames. I think everyone hopes that's not the case and Connie is able to trade Vladar, but look at how many NHL teams are having goalie issues due to injury. And, and sure, look, it's, it's you could do a heck of a lot worse than having Dustin Wolf ready and able to jump in if something were to happen to Dan Vladar or Jacob Markstrom for any sort of extended period of time. And I remember last year's conversation around training camp was all the depth that Calgary had on defense and what were they going to do with all these extra bodies. And then all of a sudden, you know, Yusuf Valimaki gets claimed on waivers. Some guys don't live up to expectations and guys that we didn't necessarily assume were going to get NHL time last year, like Dennis Gilbert and, and Nick Simone. All of a sudden, those guys got a lot more time than we thought of, and the depth wasn't quite what we thought. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely good to have options. I'm not arguing that point. I just don't know how long it lasts for, for Dustin Wolf to, to keep the, the same headspace about going back to the American Hockey League. That's just me. If you're one of the, the people that thinks he, he can use more development time, then uh, you're fair to to have that opinion. I just I think he's ready for a bigger challenge right now. With everything that he's done at the American Hockey League level, I mean, Jason Bukla been in hockey a lot longer than I have, scouted the league a lot longer than I have, and he wondered out loud in our conversation in hour one if there wasn't a prospect in hockey that had put up better numbers and was more deserving of an NHL shot than Dustin Wolf. That's a that's a pretty bold thing to say. So we'll see. It's going to be one of the conversations we watch for as uh, this training camp goes on because I don't think that storyline is finished at all when it comes to what the Calgary Flames are going to do at the goaltending position. Switch things over to uh, football. We're going to check in now with the Calgary Stampeders. They've got a big game coming up on Saturday against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Doesn't look like it's going to be the matchup we thought it would be at the beginning of the season with Bo Levi Mitchell playing against his former team for the first time, but it's got massive implications for the Calgary Stampeders who are already in desperate need of a win to try to keep their playoff hopes alive. This week of preparation began on Tuesday with the latest on the Calgary Stampeders. We turn things over to Patrick Dumas. This this is the Stamps Report with Patrick Dumas. Calgary Stampeders return to the practice field at McMahon Stadium on Tuesday afternoon, getting set for their Week 17 opponent, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, on Saturday. And after another critical loss in the standings with only four games to play, the message from Coach Dickinson to the group is a pretty simple one. For me, the message is let's win a game. Let's win one game and try to keep it simple, though. It just means uh, make sure you can be at your best. Uh, Go play a game. Go compete. And and, uh, we need one win. Just get a win, and that's something the Stampeders need to dig down and find, starting with this weekend's tilt in the Steel City. The Stamps' four wins through 14 games is their lowest total since being 3-11 after 14 games in 2004. And with four to play, there's almost no more room for error as the Saskatchewan Rough Riders also have four games remaining but have a two-game lead. That game coming up on October 13th at McMahon might prove to be valuable, but it has to start with getting a victory on Saturday versus the Ticats. 
During last Saturday's defeat at the hands of the Alouettes, cornerback Julian Charles making the start for the injured Trey Roberson left that one late. But some good news as Trey Roberson returned to practice today, uh, but it wouldn't be the 2023 Stampeders without a little bit of give and take as two big names on the offensive line did not go. Here's coach on the injury situation as we start the practice week. He looked good today, so um, you always got to watch in case he has, like, reverts back a little bit, but I uh, feel good about that side of it. Had a couple guys that we removed from six game that hopefully can give us a chance to play as well. So we'll see what happens. I did notice a couple of uh, offensive linemen though standing around, Zach Williams and uh, Sean McEwen. Uh, any update there? Yeah, no. I mean, they're we'd like to have them both. Um, it's tough. Two Canadians, interior guys, good players. Um, but it's in, you know, if they can't go, the guys got to be ready to step up their game and, and make sure we have a good game. So the injury list grows with the additions of two massive pieces along that interior of the Stampeders offensive line in Sean McEwen and Zach Williams. We'll find out the severity of their injuries with the injury report coming out later on this afternoon. And probably won't have a clear indication on their statuses until Thursday when practice opens up to the media once again. The club did make five signings today to the practice squad, all defensive players, as the CFL has opened up practice rosters for the final month of the season from 10 to 15. Along the defensive line, Will Cholo out of Troy University, the 282-pound defensive tackle, uh, was first-team Sunbelt last year with the Troy Trojans and is the cousin of New Orleans Saints, freshly activated, by the way, running back Alvin Kamara. Toby Ndikwe from Sam Houston, the defensive end, actually spent all of training camp and preseason with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Two defensive backs in Clifford Chapman from UT San Antonio also was a late cut from Atlanta Falcons camp last month. And Tyler Richardson from Tiffin was in Colts rookie camp earlier this year. And Adarius Taylor, linebacker out of Florida Atlantic, maybe the most notable of all the signings, is a veteran of 88 NFL games with the Carolina Panthers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Cleveland Browns. Here's coach and GM Dave Dickinson on the practice roster signings. So this is kind of the rules, you know, you can expand your practice roster. We don't have many on practice roster at this stage anyway. Uh, we got them on other parts of our roster. So uh, I like what I saw, though. Um, you know, they practice smart. Uh, they're competing, and when you're not doing as well, I mean, there, there should be jobs open. So let's give them a chance to understand the game and the plan and they compete. And um, if needed, though, hopefully they're good players. So a nice little roster rule the CFL has allowing teams to expand their rosters a little bit, bring in some more talent they like, and see what they got. Obviously, there's an agenda, I think, in these signings, two along the defensive line and two in the secondary. Both those position groups have been hit real hard by the injury bug this season. Saturday's loss to the Alouettes did come with a minor milestone as receiver Reggie Bagleton eclipsed the millennium mark of receiving yards on the year. Here's coach on what Reggie has meant to this group all year. Well, I mean, it's a lot still to be written in my mind, so he's he's done a nice job, and he's had some good seasons. You know, his story's a good story. You know, he got hurt right away. He got an unfortunate injury in his first camp. Uh, you know, we let him go, he came back, and he's overcome another major injury with a broken arm. And, you know, he went down the NFL for a bit, so I think he's, you know, for a lot of young guys, to me, it'd be a guy I would like to emulate and, and talk to and, and understand that uh, there's some, some, some of the roads and the hurdles he's overcome. Um, you know, there should be some lessons there. So he always works. He's always out here. And, uh, you know, the results are there. Reggie's 1,028 yards puts him third in the league, trailing Winnipeg's Dalton Schoen for second by just seven yards and league leader out of Montreal, Austin Mack, by 29. Tomorrow's session is closed to the media and public, so Thursday will be our final real look at the group before they take off to Hamilton. With your Stampeders report, I'm Patty Dumas.
Thank you, Patty. Appreciate that. Calgary Stampeders and Hamilton Tiger Cats going on Saturday. Part of Week 17 action. They'll close it out with a 5 p.m. kickoff from Hamilton. Also want to mention the Stampeders uh, with some really cool touches for uh, Truth and Reconciliation Weekend uh, coming up. They've got some great helmet designs uh, that they've worked with um, and, and they're going to debut in that game in Hamilton. They're also going to wear orange uh, warm-up jerseys for that one. Uh, just really great initiatives by the Calgary Stampeders. Really well done. If you haven't seen them already, check them out at stampeders.com for all the details. Uh, week 17 kicks off on Friday with the Argos taking on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Interesting notes there. Doesn't uh, look like we're going to see Chad Kelly in that matchup. We were certainly looking like it was going to be uh, a battle of two of the top teams in the CFL, but Toronto home and cooled in the East already, taking advantage of that and are going to rest some of their starters for that game against Winnipeg. So it uh, doesn't look like it'll be Chad Kelly versus Zach Kolaros. Uh, Friday night is Sask in BC to take on the Lions. And then before the Stampeders and Ticats on Saturday night, it's the Montreal Alouettes in Ottawa to take on the Red Blacks for a 2 p.m. kickoff. We'll check in later in the week with Patty uh, to get you set for that game on Saturday between Calgary and Hamilton. Uh, it is a game day for the Toronto Blue Jays as well. We'll have them on your radios tonight. The final homestand for the Jays kicks off with a game against the New York Yankees. 5-0-7 first pitch with Kevin Gosman on the mound. They had some roster moves made earlier today. Brandon Belt reinstated from the 10-day IL and will be active tonight. He'll be DHing. Jay Jackson recalled from AAA. He's going to be active. Uh, Spencer Horwitz and Nate Pearson have an option to the Florida Complex League. And if you've been listening to the show the last couple of days, uh, you know we've started this feature here on Sportsnet today uh, with one of our producers, Taylor, uh, the president of the Cavan BGO fan club. Uh, all things Cavan Biggio. She does not accept any Cavan Biggio flack or hate. So we've gotten Taylor's Cavan Biggio game day predictions for the Toronto Blue Jays. Two days have gone very well for you, Taylor. You had one in between that eh, wasn't so good. Off day yesterday for the Jays. We're back at it today. And Cavan Biggio is back in the lineup. He's batting fourth. He'll play at second base. So Cam, get this written down in stone, okay? Got my hammer and chisel ready to go. If you missed what that means, Cam said when we were starting this, he's going to write it down in stone, which isn't a thing anymore. Taylor, you ready for today's predictions? I guess so. What do you mean you guess so? This is your this is your segment. The people love this. <laughs> do they? We get more text on it than most things, so yeah. No, Kevin loves it. I don't know if Kevin knows about it, but he will. He will soon. Are you guys, like, in cahoots and just sending them to him Maybe. constantly? Yeah, a motivational tool. <laughs> Big game for the Jays. We've got to lock down a playoff spot here. Kevin needs to come through. Taylor? Yeah. We're going we're gonna to do this, right? Yeah. All right? Yeah. Cam, you got this ready to go? Stone is ready. All right. Taylor? Jays Yankees on Tuesday night. Kevin Biggio batting fourth, playing second base. What does Kevin do in game one against the Yankees? Okay. Well, last time they played Michael King was last weekend, and he got two walks and a run. So I, I'm thinking he's going to get a walk and a hit. A walk? Just one walk. And a hit. And just one hit. No RBIs? 
I don't think so. No runs? Mm, here's a... Th- there's a lot of science going into this. A lot of there's numbers a lot of being thoughts. crunched. <laughs> a lot of thoughts. Because it kind of depends on where the the rest of this lineup is. Because last time it was not the greatest uh, after Biggio. So I'm just going to stick with the, the walk and the, and the hit. Okay. So quiet night for Kevin Biggio. Any, I mean, we've got this too. I've had people tweet this at me. Any defensive plays, anything that we're going to watch from at second base, or is it just going to just gonna make, stick with the walk in the hit? He's going to make a phenomenal double play. Okay. Okay. Now we've got a little spice in double there. Double play. Phenomenal double play. Phenomenal. What if it's just like a subpar double? No, no, no it won't count. Like an underhand to toss to first. Well, to the anything he does is phenomenal. <laughs> okay, that's... <laughs> and that's why we do this every day. Uh, so we got uh, Kevin Biggio down for a walk, a hit, and a phenomenal double play. No RBIs, no runs. That's Taylor's Kevin Biggio prediction for game one of this home series against the New York Yankees. The rest of the lineup looks like this for the Jays. Uh, John Schneider starting George Springer uh, in right field. He'll lead things off for the Jays. Bo Bichette at shortstop batting second. Vladdy's at first batting third. We mentioned Kevin Biggio playing second base. He's batting fourth, followed up by Matt Chapman at third. Brandon Belt, who he just mentions, back off the 10-day IL. He'll DH tonight, followed by Dalton Varsho in left. Alejandro Kirk will catch. And at number nine, it is center fielder Kevin Kiermeyer, a 5.07 first pitch with Kevin Gosman on the mound for the Toronto Blue Jays. You can listen to the game right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan or watch the game on the Sportsnet Television Network. Uh, Tay, as far as the game goes, how are we feeling? They've got themselves in a good spot. We're very close to a potential playoff push for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. How do we feel about the the team as a whole right now? I'm feeling very hopeful. And That's I'm, good. It, there's a little bit of that excitement when the season's ending. Where yeah. You're, you're kind of sad that it's ending, but you're also, you know, ready for the playoffs to start. And I'm I'm kind of in that that mode. And I I think they're gonna I think they're gonna make it. It does feel that way. It certainly helps that the the Mariners and the uh, Rangers had to play each other, so that's good. Uh, a three and three homestand will seal the deal uh, for the Jays. Something less could also get the Jays done uh, into there as well. But uh, they're in the second uh, AL wild card spot right now, game and a half ahead of the Astros, three ahead of Seattle. Kevin Gosman goes tonight. Jose Barrios on Wednesday. Uh, we'll match up against Garrett Cole. That's a great pitching matchup on Wednesday. Thursday, it's Chris Bassett versus Luke Weaver. Jays just finished up a 4-2 and two road trip against the Yankees and the Rays, who are the two teams that they'll finish off this homestand and the rest of the season on. Uh, Yankees 79-77. and 77. They're not going to the playoffs. First time they'll miss the postseason since 2016. And a couple texts at 960-960. Uh, because, of course, everyone talks about the Kevin Biggio. This one just says, love the Kevin Biggio love. Typical. The people get what the people want. Uh, Dylan, as always, not Kevin Biggio. It's Kevin Dingman. Get it right. Think you take your last name, Taylor? I don't even want my last name. Whoa. (laughs) Come on. And this one says, I don't know if you've noticed, Logan, but Kevin Biggio has kind of been unreal for this team the last two months. 
Phenomenal. I haven't even noticed. Phenomenal. Has he even been in the lineup? Who? I can't even tell. Kind of wasn't last weekend, was he? It was 0 for 5 the other night. It was just one game. It was just one game. You know what the best part about this whole segment's been? What? Is that people genuinely think I hate Kevin Biggio. (laughs) Like, that's, that's what we've gotten on. I just like bugging Taylor about Kevin Biggio. That's that's literally all it's been. I just like having fun with Taylor about it. Has he's been very useful for the Toronto Blue Jays. He has been important and come up with some key hits. And it's just been a fun little thing. Like you guys are too new to the station to understand my hatred for Corey Perry. I can understand why though. That's a separate thing. That's Corey Perry. Yeah, but I've always had like if you have a list, right? Everyone has a list of people, right? Yeah, they're just your See, mortal enemies. I hated Corey Perry until he started playing for the Habs. Yeah, I still, then, well, of course, that makes sense, right? It's I'm sure if he played for the Flames at some point or was on a team that I liked, it would be different. But it's never happened, so I've always had a list, and Corey Perry's always been on the list. That's who else is on that list? That's Logan? a try. Uh, you are. Oh, just yeah. kidding. Same conversation as Corey Perry. That's messed uh, up. Art's on the list. <laughs> um. Hey, boss. A couple other people I can't mention. Jeff from Engineering. Jeff's on the list. Okay, he deserved that one. Jeff is just an idiot. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think um, we've taken a really wild turn here. That yeah, no, no, the, point is, the point is that Kevin Biggio's not on the list. He's nowhere close to the list. Are but you saying you are part of the Kevin Biggio no, I wouldn't club? go that far. I don't think we're going to go that far. See, and then the sex comes in. Logan. Why do you hate Beach? I don't Come hate on, Logan. No, shut up. This is <laughs> not enough of you. <laughs> no, why do you hate Kevin Biggio? I don't hate Kevin Biggio. Is, is Pat on the list? Pat's Ooh. on a different list. <laughs> and it's not the same list. It's completely different. Is Jonathan Marches on that list? Uh, No. <laughs> why would he be on the list? The French questions from the finals last year? Oh, I mean, that was just... <laughs> that's a deep no, pull. No, the texter that got mad... That's a deep pull. ...about that is is on the list, but that's a yeah, that's a long <laughs> time ago right now. Next no. time we'll play the French. Questions yeah. and answers. Yeah. We'll see what happens again. We're just going to uh, make all of his intros French from now on. Yeah. Really, I'm going to go over with two people on the text line. Uh, he's Cam, she's Taylor. We got Taylor's uh, Kevin Biggio predictions in the books for tonight's game against the Yankees. One walk, one hit, a phenomenal double play made at second base. We'll uh, check in tomorrow ahead of game two to see how Taylor did with her Biggio predictions, and we'll see if the Jays can pick up a key win against the Yankees tonight again. 507 first pitch right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. A big event kicking off tomorrow in our city the AJHL Showcase is going to be hosted by your Calgary Canucks. The Max Bell Center is going to be the place to be the next couple of days. Brad Moran, the coach and GM of the Calgary Canucks, joins us to chat about the AJHL Showcase being in Calgary. Next, the Sportsnet Today rolls on. You're on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, rolling into the final segment this hour. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Sportsnet Today is live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. Here in Calgary, Alberta, we'll hear more from the Calgary Flames following their split squad action against the uh, Seattle Kraken coming up in just a little bit. But right now, very happy 
to kick off this segment, going down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline and welcoming in the head coach and general manager of the Calgary Canucks who are hosting the AJHL showcase that starts tomorrow at Max Bell Arena. Brad Moran joins us this afternoon. Brad, thanks for the time today. How are you, sir? I'm very good. Thanks for having me. No, appreciate it as always. Uh, before we get into the AJHL showcase, you guys are a couple games deep on your season so far. How has it been for your team? No, it's been good. I think uh, we had a good preseason. We were able to carry it over on a on a short road trip. Uh, played well in, in one game. Didn't get the results, but uh, we've had two back-to-back home wins, so we're looking to keep that going. Uh, excitement level building for your group ahead of the showcase here in, in Calgary? Yeah, for sure. I think no matter where it is, it's exciting for the players. And I think being here and, and the atmosphere is starting to grow. You could you could see it in practice today. They're they're ready to get out there and show their stuff. What's this kind of experience do for for young players? A chance to to show off in front of so many fans and and as you know, scouts and, and different players from different organizations are all here uh, in Calgary for the weekend. Is it add some pressure to the kids? Is it an exciting time for them? What's going through their minds ahead of a big tournament like this? I, I think it's just that it's, it, it shows which players can rise to the occasion and, and how you your preparation uh, really comes to focus. You worry too much about all that stuff, you're not going to play well. And I think our guys are, are relaxed but, but anxious in a, in a good way that hopefully we have that, that urgency and desperation that they need to, to be successful individually and as a team. And for, for fans and people coming to – uh, the showcase the next couple of days here, Brad, obviously a chance to uh, get to see as many teams as possible in a close area like Max Bell instead of having to travel through Alberta like you guys do, hey? Absolutely. I think, uh, I can't remember the exact stats, but I believe there's over 100 Calgary-born players in, in the AJHL and a lot of them uh, easy access to come see. every every All 16 teams play two games and over four days, so there, there's lots of action and uh, some good entertainment uh, on and off the ice uh, throughout the week. And, and Brad, you know, obviously, from your time uh, with the Calgary Hitmen and, and your time in Calgary, it's it's such a diverse hockey community. There's so many different levels of hockey that go through here and a chance for, for Calgary to really show off the next couple of days, especially with the great uh, facility that you guys play out of all the time in Max Bell, hey? Absolutely. I think sometimes it gets overlooked. There are so many options, but uh, the facility with the, the renovations they had a couple of years ago, the the work our off-ice group has put into branding and and the experience, uh, I would say the free parking <laughs> and access of Max Bell is, is always a bonus when uh, when you're looking to see some, some good entertainment at a, at a good price. For yourself uh, as a head coach and GM, how much time do you spend watching other teams and other organizations at an event like this? Uh, quite a bit. I think it's, you know, it, especially that it's here, we'll, we'll, I'll be around most of the time and that we'll have our co- uh, coaches and scouts uh, watching. And you just never know. There's always movement within our leagues and we want to make sure we're on top of what, what other players are doing or preparing to play other teams and and such and make sure we're, promoting our own players to the to the schools, the scouts, and that they know what, what we have going on here. Uh, in your time through hockey, Brad, how have you seen the, the AJHL grow as a league? I know over the last couple of years with guys like Kale McCarr locally and, and others you know, who have played in the league making a, a jump to successful NHL careers, the league has certainly grown in spotlight, but have you seen the talent and the, 
the growth in the league as well from your level? I think there, there's so many routes now. And as you say that, I'm sitting here with a, a Danny Heatley and Mike Vernon jersey uh, <laughs> as alumni in, in my office here. And it, it, it continues to go. You mentioned Kale McCarr. And it's there's so many good hockey players now. And, and there's so many options for them to develop. And, and this is sometimes said to be the late bloomers league and and a lot of those guys come out and can be stars and go on to careers in the game and i think that uh, sometimes gets overlooked but it's definitely high level of skill and uh and work ethic in these guys for yourself at that age you wouldn't have had nearly the kind of options that there were for players today eh? you would have probably uh, i don't know for sure but it seems like you know whl ncaa were kind of the the main routes for guys when you were coming up in hockey, Brad? It was, but growing up in, in BC, there, there wasn't a lot of exposure. There was no, no teams in the, the Vancouver area. Kamloops was the closest team. You, there's no uh, internet, no exposure that way. So yeah. it's like you're going off to the, the Western Hockey League, but I didn't know a whole lot about it. I knew a little bit about some local BCHL teams, but in now everyone's well informed and everything's marketed and you can find out tons of information about everything and it's uh maybe too much information makes things hard <laughs> yeah it's, it can be uh drinking out of a fire hose sometimes it feels like uh when you're talking about you know scouting and getting a chance to view players and and doing all of that uh as far as uh what people can expect when they they come out the next couple of days brad what uh what would you sell them on as to come out to to the max bell center the next couple of days to see some good hockey uh aside from the hockey which i think is going to be exceptional it's a very competitive league and, and the product is is as good as any in canada but the uh the off-ice marketing stuff we have going on um different events mornings evenings uh entertainment i think uh, will add a little bit to the experience and friday we have our uh Truth and Reconciliation Day. I think we've got some pretty cool stuff planned for that uh, in conjunction with uh, Sixika and uh, other stuff, events throughout the week. Uh, Brad, really looking forward to it. Best of luck to the Canucks this weekend. Uh, you guys have done a great job uh, getting this event set up. Really looking forward to getting out to Max Bell the next couple of days. Thanks for, for hopping on with us today. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Brad Moran joining us, head coach and GM of the Calgary Canucks. They are your host of the AJHL Showcase, which goes at the Max Bell Center the next few days. Uh, it's the 17th edition of this showcase, which attracts fans from all over Alberta, uh, members of the scouting community, AJHL talent, coaches, uh, NHL scouts will be there, NCAA scouts, Canadian colleges, universities, CHL teams, everything, uh, all in one place to see all of the great t- uh, skill and talent that the AJHL have to showcase. And, and yes, as Brad mentioned, you know, sometimes it, it can feel like a bit of a forgotten uh, aspect of what we have here in Calgary, but I know, you know, there's so many great young people that get involved, whether it's on the broadcasting side of things or working with the Calgary Canucks uh, in the AGHL, and that is not just in Calgary, that's in all of the, the AGHL cities across Ca- uh, Alberta, and for everybody to come together over the next couple of days, really, if you're looking for a, a great family event, uh, make sure that you get down there. You're going to get to see some great hockey and again, you don't have to travel all the way up to, to Grand Prairie or Olds or wherever uh, to go and see these teams. They're all going to be in town over the next couple of days. It's presented by Nutrien. Uh, for more information, go to www.ajhl.ca. So that's happening. 
Uh, we've got Hitman Hockey underway. They dropped uh, their first two games against the Medicine Hat Tigers. They're going to be back in action coming up in just a couple days' time. Flames, we know their preseason's well underway. They're getting set for preseason game number four against the Winnipeg Jets on Wednesday. Let's take you back to Monday night at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Here from Michael Backlund. He spoke. He was part of the group in Calgary that suffered a 5-3 loss at the hands of the Seattle Kraken. Of course, lots of noise around Michael Backlund, a potential captaincy announcement maybe in the coming weeks. Uh, but right now, Backs just focused on uh, his first preseason outing. And uh, here's what he had to say Monday night following the loss to the Kraken. Michael, where did you maybe see some positives and maybe even some negatives? Yeah. Um... Yeah, positives. Uh, I mean, we had a lot of power plays. I think it was that we weren't maybe good enough, but we did still score two. That's a positive. And uh, yeah, I don't know. You lose. Uh, it was a lot of penalties. Um, so um, a lot of special teams. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, it's good to get a game going here and uh, go for the next one. With the penalties, I mean, Walker was saying sometimes you're not quite up to speed. You know, it's, it's your first skate around. I mean, you try to make up for things, and, and that's sort of generally what happens a little bit. Is that, that how you feel? What explains it? Yeah, I mean, we focused a lot so far on the, you know, our defensive zone work and our five on five, and um, <clears throat> which is normal, uh, which is good. Uh, we gotta get that dialed in, and then uh, special team will come. Um, you know, more of the camp moves on here, so uh, we haven't had. A, too much time to work on the power play, but same time hey, we're uh, we're good, we're NHL players. Uh, we got to make things happen, and um, you know uh, wasn't the best all time, but at the same time we scored two. Michael, every veteran guy remembers kind of when they were breaking in and and what it was like to fight for a spot. And, and so with that in mind, when you see Jacob Pelche leave the game early, what what sort of goes through your mind for him? Yeah, I mean. Uh, Feel bad for him that to leave the game. I don't know what his status is, but uh, uh, we'll see how it goes. But hopefully, come back here soon. Uh, but yeah, I uh, feel bad for him. Uh, such a positive energy guy, uh, great teammate. So it's really hard to see him uh, leave the game early on. Individually, like personally, for you, did you get what you needed out of the first one? Uh, I would have liked maybe the more fun five. That was a lot of special teams. Uh, uh, you know, we got a long diesel sh- uh, shift in the end there, and I thought, you know, we don't want to be in diesel, but it was good to get a little work on it. Um, and um, but yeah, it's, it was nice to get going here and uh, get playing. It's been a while as we play games, so uh, it was fun to be out there. Michael Backlund, part of the veteran forward group that was in Calgary last night, as part of their split squad game against the Seattle Kraken. I uh, wanted to play this for you in case you missed it last night. Dan Lambert, one of the new additions to this Flames coaching staff. He joined Pat Steinberg, Megan Mickelson, and Derek Wills on the Flamestock postgame show last night. First chance to sit down in person with Dan Lambert and sort of break down what he wants to see during this training camp, what he's looking to get out of it. Joining Ryan Huska in Calgary as part of his coaching staff. Lots to get to uh, in case you missed it last night on the Flamestock postgame show. Here's assistant coach Dan Lambert postgame. In Calgary. First of all, welcome to our uh, humble abode. Thank you very much. It's for very humble, us. as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. How uh, how would you assess that one and evaluate that one tonight? Well, I think it was a hard game to evaluate. There was so many special teams, and you know our power play. You know we didn't get much practice time with that 
unit, that group, and uh, it certainly showed at times. But you know what? I mean, you know, you can always take some good things that we did at times. And I thought after we scored our first power play goal, we got a little bit, bit of momentum. Um, but it's it's hard when, you know, two nights in a row you go down to 5D, yep. um, you know, with about, you know, 40 minutes left in the game or, or 45 minutes left in the game. So, um, you know, we got we to gotta try to not allow that to happen. And then I thought, you know, with some young guys, it was their first games. You could tell the nerves. Um, but in, in saying that, there were, there were some moments where, uh, you know, we, we did a few, some good things. When you talk about going down to five defensemen, I guess when, when you went from six to five, how do you felt that that went tonight in terms of those five guys? It's, I know it's a juggling act to try to figure out, uh, you know, you get a five-man rotation going, but in terms of managing their energy, how do you feel like that went tonight? Well, you know what, I thought I thought they handled it pretty well. You know, Noah was playing back-to-back also where he had played quite a few minutes last night as well. Um, he handled it pretty well. And then losing McKenzie, um, you know, he's a he's going to be a big part of the power play. And, uh, and you know, you lose him, so now that throws everybody out of whack a little bit. Um, so, um, yeah, it's it's one of those things. And, and you know, you, you have a couple young guys in there. You want to put them in positions to succeed. But now, they, you know, you got to uh, push them a little bit to play in, in situations normally you, you wouldn't want to put them in. But you know what? They handled it pretty well. I thought Marin played well, Kuzi played well. You know, like these guys are, um, they're young and, and uh, they, they handled it as well as you can expect. And in addition to having to juggle five defensemen for a good chunk of the game, there's also 12 power plays between the two teams. <laughs> you got to worry about power plays and penalty kills. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the penalty kill. I think you would agree that under Ryan Huska, it's been one of the best in the National Hockey League for a number of years. Are you guys going to make many tweaks to that or is it kind of status quo? No, I th- you know, I think that um, it's it's going to be play stay status quo as, uh, as long as you know things are, are going the way it's gone and and uh, certainly my job is to make sure I don't mess that up. Um, you know, Ryan's done a great job and the players have done a great job on the PK and and it's something that uh, you know I think you have a lot of players in that room that take pride in it and uh, and certainly that's not going to change. We're chatting with Flames assistant coach Dan Lambert with us following this uh, 5-3 setback to Seattle in preseason game number two. Dan, how, how are you settling in and, and uh, feeling comfortable? How, how is that coming along in your first year with this with this organization? Yeah, you know what? It's, it's, it's been really good. Um, there's no doubt that, you know, you go through a process where you're trying to learn the players, uh, you know, learn how to how they like to be. Uh, coached how they like to be talked to and and that's always that always takes a little bit of time um you know i obviously had conversations with players throughout the summer and and got to hopefully but it's all about building those relationships and i think that uh you know it's gonna there's gonna be a time when it takes it takes a little bit of time but um i feel very comfortable i think we have we have great young men uh, on this hockey club they're good people good and uh and that always makes it easier and I want to I want to go back to Etienne Morin. I think that he was a guy for me that over the course of the hockey game, he just seemed like he really settled in. And I, it was interesting after he blew his stick up at the blue line there. That's a situation where, as a young player coming in, that could that can send you one way or the other in a, a bad direction or a good direction. And I actually think that his game got stronger from that point on. So, just your thoughts on his game um, and how he is adjusting to the play here I, I personally I thought that 
today was his best showing. You know, when you talk about the rookie games that he played, mm-hmm. uh, as far as what I've seen anyway and in practice, you know, you can tell. And, and the funny thing is I asked him right before the game, uh, right after the national anthems, asked him, how do you feel? And he's like, oh, man, I'm so nervous. <laughs> and so you know if he's expressing that, that, you know, and I said, hey, listen, just enjoy it. Have fun with this. This is your first game. Um, it's going to be a great opportunity here, and you're going to get lots of ice time. So don't worry about it. Just play your game. And I thought he did that. I, and I agree with you. I thought he got better as the game went on. I thought, and, and you know, there's no doubt that they came hard uh, early in the game, and I'm sure it was pressure that he wasn't used to seeing, uh, speed that he wasn't used to seeing. But you can tell that he's got good puck poise. He can make those little plays, um, you know, and, and, you know, as far as everything else, I thought at times there was a few soft plays that he made that, but it was the right idea, and I think that's what you want right. to see. You know, he's uh, you, have, you know, you have to remember he's a he's a young man, and and uh, but he handled he handled himself very well. When everybody's healthy and available, I think we all know who the Flames' top six on defense is. But right now, Oliver Shillington isn't available to the team, so you've got a battle there to be the number six and seven guys. <laughs> Two guys we saw last night I wanted to ask you about. Dennis Gilbert, who did leave the game early, but I thought was playing really well prior to uh, him crashing into the boards. And Jordan Osterley, who I was really impressed with. Your thoughts on Gilbert and Osterley last night? Well, I, I thought, um, you know, Dennis Gilbert did what he does. You know, he, he stepped in there for, or, you know, got involved and, yeah. and dropped the gloves. And, and that's that's what he does. That's what he brings. And, and uh, he did a good job. Unfortunately, he gets pulled out of the game or he gets hurt, so he's out of the game. Um, you know, and, and these are the situations where, well, actually both of them, you know, uh, Osterley took a, a puck late in the game in the head. But in saying that, I thought they both played very well. I thought Dennis got better, was was playing better as the game went on. I, th- I thought his first couple shifts, there were a few, you know, small little mistakes, but he, he got better. And then Osterley, uh, I thought Jordan played a real good game, solid game. You know, he's a f- fantastic skater, and he can really close on people, uh, specifically on the rush. I thought that that's probably one of his strengths. Um, and I think he played within himself. He didn't try to do too much, made the good, simple play, and... Uh, yeah, I thought uh, I thought he had. A, they both had solid games. Final question: Just uh, now, two preseason games in the books. You got five more to go. I just, what do you want to see as the preseason rolls on? What's what's important from this coaching staff to see from the group, whether it be your your veterans, your regulars, or or otherwise? Well, I, I think you want to see. I think you want to see people improve. You know, like there's no doubt that there was rust out there tonight. Um, you know, and and. I think specifically the the older guys like you know you want to see them get to the their game the the top of their game by game one of the regular season mm-hmm. whether that takes four games five games whatever it is um, we want them to get them to get there I think we want to continue to push playing with more pace um, I thought tonight at times that lacked um, but that's a, a change a little bit of a change of of the way we want to play our, our D zone is a little bit new as well so we want to see our guys take steps in that um, but I think that you know there's there's always going to be some some trial times when you, you change a few things but guys have handled it pretty well so far I thought there's there's moments where it looked it's been looking really good appreciate the time uh, good to officially meet you uh, in person <laughs> I've talked to you on the phone but uh, good to meet you and uh, thanks for doing this uh, good luck in your next preseason game thank you very much great meeting you all and uh, have a have a good the rest of your night Dan Lambert assistant coach of the Calgary Flames
Catch it up with the Flames broadcast crew. Pat Steinberg, Megan Mickelson, Derek Wills on the Flames Talk post-game show last night following the Flames 5-3 loss in Calgary. Good to get some of perspective from Dan there, uh, who I know Flames fans are still getting to know as one of the new uh, coaches on this Flames staff. Uh, I thought he'd get some great perspective on guys like Tim Moran and others that we saw in Calgary. Next up for the Flames, a Wednesday night matchup in Winnipeg against the Jets. You can hear it right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson on the call. What are you going to get out of here? Flames talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson is next. I want to say thank you to Jason Bukla for joining us a little bit earlier today in hour one. Patty Dumas gave us a stamps report on this Tuesday, and thank you to my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, for their great work on this Tuesday. Thank you for listening live or on the podcast. We appreciate it as always. On tomorrow's edition of the show, Ask Andy, Andy McNamara, fantasy football guru, is going to join us. And we'll get you set for a Flames game day in Winnipeg. Jays baseball on your radio tonight as well. 507 first pitch, Jays and Yankees with Kevin Gosman on the mound. Enjoy Flames talk. Enjoy the Blue Jays. We'll catch up with you on a Wednesday edition of Sportsnet today. uh, Tomorrow on Sportsnet 960, the fan.